Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How well do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Do you consistently receive revelation from the Spirit of God and the Word of God? Does the Holy Spirit move you in your day-to-day life and in your walk with Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 2 and look at the incredible and devout men and women of God we have in Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, Corinne, and just spending time with Jesus. There's nothing more important in our lives. There's nothing that just will bring more uh, peace to our lives, more understanding to our lives. There's literally nothing more productive that we could do in this life than spend time with Jesus, spend time in the the word of God, the scriptures, spend time in thanksgiving and praise and worship, spend time in prayer um, for ourselves and others, um, spend time in fellowship and community with other believers, right? Uh, I mean, going to church, but, but especially in daily fellowship and community, right? Going to church once a week on a Sunday is a good thing, right? Listening to a good, sound Bible-based message and coming together is a good thing, Um but, but more important than that is having daily fellowship and community uh, with believers in the body of Christ. Um, you know, you should go to, you know, go to church on Sunday. Again, that's a good thing, um, but that should be dessert, right? That should be something you go. And again, you listen to just the solid Bible teaching coming together. You fellowship with other believers, but, you know, every day throughout the week, you ought to be in fellowship and community um, with other believers in Jesus Christ. And we live in a time now where you can certainly do that in person, which is, I think, the best, but we can do it over the phone. We have FaceTime. We can basically spend time with, with people all over the world and even look at their faces with the technology we have. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I was informed by, uh, by Stephen today that uh, this will be the, the final teaching of 2021. That I guess when you're when you listen to this, it'll be December 31st. We're ahead on the teachings, um, you know. So a teaching I do today, in the current process that we're ahead, will actually be released on uh, on December 31st. And so, um, man, what a what a year 2021. What a what a year. How was your year in Jesus? You know, you want to take an account, and uh, you know practice some introspection and see, you know, was this a good year for you in Christ? Was this a fruitful year in Christ? Was this a year that you gave yourself to the word of God and the son of God, Jesus? Uh, Was this a year where you spent time, increasing time in the scriptures, reading and studying and meditating on the scriptures? Was this a time you spent in thanksgiving and praise and worship? Was this a time you spent in prayer and supplication again for yourself and others? Um, Was this the time you spent bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, obeying the word of God, um, using your time, talents, and money in the advancement of the word of God? So how was 2021? And so you want to reflect on that. And then as we move into 2022, we just want this to be the greatest year of our lives and growing to know Jesus and growing to love him and growing to know his love. 
and, um, you know, and, uh, and growing to obey him and bear fruit for his kingdom. So, Father, we do thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your love. We just thank you, Father, for all the blessings and favor and goodness you've given us, Father. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, and dying a perfect and sinless death on our behalf and in our place for us. We thank you that you are alive and risen. Lord Jesus, we do pray your mercy over Veronica and Chris today and over Frederick. We just we just ask you to move on behalf of this family to have mercy on them, Father. We pray for healing in uh, Veronica and Frederick, Lord. And we just pray your blessing over this family and the new baby, Frederick, that's that's come into the world, Lord. Father, I pray a special mercy and healing in Miss Barbara. We ask you to be with her and to have mercy on her and just to reveal yourself to her, Lord, in a way like she's never seen. And we just, again, pray for healing in her, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for all those in our lives. We just lift up all those, Lord, who are just struggling at this time during the holiday season, whether it be physically or emotionally or financially or relationally. And we just pray your mercy and healing in them one and all. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So today we're going to do, as I said last time, we're going to try to to finish up Luke 2 here. We're going to do verses 21. And I don't know how far we'll get. I don't know that we'll get to verse 39, but um, just incredible verses. I'm just going to go ahead and read some of it. And uh, then we'll get right into it. Luke 2, 21. You remember in verse 20, the story ended with the shepherds um, that, you know, the Lord revealed to the shepherds through, you know, through an angel that Jesus had been born and where he was. And the shepherds immediately go and uh, obey the word of God given through the angel and they immediately begin to talk about Jesus. And we spoke about having a, a heart of a, of a shepherd like these shepherds had. Um, and, and how that they were, you know, simple men. The men who desired the revelation of the Lord. Men who uh, immediately went to walk out the revelation of the Lord. And that's the kind of men and women we want to be. And so that, that ends with uh, them, you know, glorifying and praising God for what they had heard. And... Um, and we talked about how that ought to be our heart, to glorify Jesus, to, to praise and worship our Father um, just for all the, the incredible blessings we've been given in Jesus Christ. So now we're in verse 21, which says, On the eighth day, so the shepherd saw Jesus on his birth. Now it's the eighth day. Uh, Jesus has been alive eight days now, right? On the eighth day, verse 21, Luke 2, When it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord pair of doves or two young pigeons. 
25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank, wow. So there's so much here. Um, again, that's Luke 2, 21 to 40. So we can see the, the meticulous heart of Joseph and Mary to obey the word of God. Verse 21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So again, we'll remind that he was named Jesus. It was, it was God who gave him the name Jesus. You remember the angel Gabriel comes to Mary in the chapter before this in Luke 1 and instructs her and tells her that he's going to be named Jesus. And in, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, we see that uh, that Joseph is told by the angel, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so he's named Jesus by the Lord. And what I, what I just said was that you can see that Mary and Joseph, again, have a heart to obey the word of God. All they had was the Old Testament, but the Old Testament gave these specific guidelines of how God had, had told them how they're to handle circumcision, and purification and, and all the, the different things that needed to happen, you know, when you had a child. Verse 22, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, the law of Moses is the word of God, had been completed, 22, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, because that's what the Bible said to do, okay? 23, as it is written, the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. 24, 
and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, in the Bible, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, it actually said to bring a lamb, but the Lord made provision that if you didn't have a lamb, then you could bring, you know, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, which were obviously extremely inexpensive, right? A lamb would be very expensive, a, a lamb. Um, and it's interesting, Jesus is called the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, you know, so they would put a lamb on the, on the altar, right? And when you slaughtered the lamb in the Old Testament, the blood that the, the, the death of the lamb would cover over your sin. It wouldn't take away your sin, but it would cover over your sins so that a holy God, you know, would see the blood of the lamb and the death of the lamb. And he would count that death of that actual lamb as the death you should have died. And it temporarily covered over the sin of the people until the Savior, Jesus Christ, came. So you remember in John 1, when John the Baptist says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus is now, you know, the actual Lamb of God who doesn't cover over our sin, but when we trust in Him and rely on Him and put our full confidence in Him, clinging to Him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, John 1, 12 says that to all who received Him, Jesus, who believed in His name, you know, that the Lord gave the right for us to become children of God. That, uh, that we are saved from our sin. God the Father becomes our heavenly Father in and through God the Son, Jesus Christ. So we can see again how devout and obedient Joseph and Mary are in following the word of God. Okay, we've said this over and over that it's not a coincidence why these two people were chosen. Okay. In some denominations, much is made about Mary that's not in the scriptures, any scriptures. Um, you know, Mary is an extremely devout woman of God. Mary is someone that, as men and women, we ought to emulate the character that's revealed in the scriptures about Mary. Okay? But Mary is a human woman. Mary is sinful, like all of us. Mary needs the Savior that she bore in the physical sense as much as we all do, right? But Mary is far more obedient and has far more godly character than the vast majority of, of, of people in the history of the world have ever had, right? So when we look in the scriptures at Mary and when we look at Joseph, right, Corinne, we see two people in the character, in the desire they had to walk uprightly and obediently um, as the Lord had given them to do. And so we can see here in verses 21 to 24, they're just obeying what the word of God had told them to do. They're carefully obeying it. Now, there's some other things in here as well, and we won't go very deep into it. But all this purification, okay, um, that it says is completed... Um, all the sacrifice that was given was tied to sin. Mary and Joseph are sinners, like all human beings are. Jesus is not. 
But even here at eight days old, we see this incredible picture of the eight-day-old God-child identifying with sinners. Y'all see that? Jesus doesn't need any purification. He has no sin at all. Okay? Doesn't need anything sacrificed on his behalf. He's utterly sinless. But already he's identifying, in this case, with his earthly parents, right? Um, remember, Jesus is God. The God child here, David, is, is identifying with sinners, right? He would later become sin, right? Second Corinthians 5, right? That he who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I believe it's verse 21. Um, but, you know, Jesus consistently was lovingly and willingly around sinners. And again, we see it here at his birth. Again, he participates in these things. You know, his parents took him at eight days old, but he has no necessity of them. Okay. Uh, he is above them all. The same in his baptism. You remember John the Baptist tries to resist baptizing, baptizing him because he believes he doesn't know at the time Jesus is, the time he baptizes him, he doesn't know till after he baptizes Jesus, John the Baptist, that he's the Savior. But, you know, John's was a baptism of repentance. Jesus, identifying with sinners, although he himself has no sin, goes ahead and is baptized, right? Although Jesus has nothing to repent over. He's done nothing wrong. He never did anything wrong. He's perfect. I'll say again, Joseph and Mary are sinful people, just like you and I. But they are incredible examples to us of what a man and woman of God ought to look like. Joseph and his character is an example to men and women, and Mary and her character that we see her godly character is example is an example to us as men and women. That being the case, we don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. Um, you know, again, we, we respect Mary and we honor her as a woman of God who lived for Christ, right? Who the Lord chose because of her character, this incredible, incredible uh, privilege of bearing the Savior. And, uh, and again, we, we honor that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So now we're going to get into another incredible righteous and devout man. But again, every human being is sinful. Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned and falls short of God's holy standard and his glory, right? Um, verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Now again, notice it goes out of the way here, Scott, to not only say, it could have just said, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and it could just go on to say he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. But verse, verse 25 brackets after the comma, look what it says. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Continuing verse 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have, have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, not just the Jews, and for glory to your people Israel. So the scripture goes out of this way immediately when it announces Simeon. It does this throughout the scriptures, but it it doesn't it doesn't do it all the time by any means. It doesn't even do it often. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Okay? We've talked about this before. When it says he was righteous, okay, it means he had a lifestyle of doing what was right. He had a lifestyle of living and doing what was right. Now it's important to understand we do not get to heaven by living a righteous life. We ought to live a righteous life as Christians, those who have received the grace and mercy of God for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul in Jesus Christ. But nothing we do gets us to heaven. Nothing we do will save us from our sin, okay? A genuine Christian, okay? The reason I say genuine is because there are there are countless people. My daughter, Kristen, has this incredible testimony of, of growing up, of understanding the gospel. She had prayed to receive Jesus. And who many, how many times of me? You know, maybe 20 times, Kristen, 30, who knows, right? But, you know, at uh, when she graduated college, she was just uh, melancholy and just, you know, just had no zest for life. And, and she really wasn't a Christian. She was not. She had thought she was, but when I had asked her, she had said, no, I really, I really have no heart for Christ. I really don't have any conviction over sin. And so with this new understanding at that time, her and I spoke, and what about, what is a Christian? Now, again, so there can be millions and millions of people who think they're Christians, but are not genuine Christians. Okay. So a genuine Christian is someone who, first of all, understands the bad news. Jesus is the good news, but the good news won't be good unless you know the bad news, right? You're not going to go for healing of cancer or healing of diabetes or to be fixed of these things unless you know the bad news that you have it. The bad news is that human beings, you and I, all humanity, every human being in the history of the world except Jesus, the God-man, is utterly sinful. We're bankrupt. We're hopeless. We're desperate. We are in grave danger that if we leave this body in this condition, we will go to hell and spend eternity in hell separated from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's in understanding this bad news and understanding Lens that we are a sinful people. And in knowing in the fear of God that we are hopeless, helpless, and desperate in our sin, that in this place we now humble ourselves before Jesus, knowing our hopelessness, 
our helplessness without him, knowing that only hell awaits. And out of that place, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not the words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But when we have this heart, knowing our sinfulness, believing what the Bible says, God has given his word that all human beings are sinful. And out of that place, we go before the Lord and we call on him. We proclaim in humility, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me, Jesus. And I believe that you died a perfect death for me, Jesus, a torturous death on the cross. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin. And I ask you to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and all my trust and all my confidence in you alone, Jesus, to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. A genuine Christian is someone who understands their desperate need of a savior. And they believe that Jesus Christ, as the Bible teaches, is the only way that their sins can be forgiven, that they can come into relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is the only way to go to heaven when they die. That's a Christian. Is that where you are today? Are you clinging to Christ, knowing he's your only hope? Have you called on him in that true and genuine desperation? Or like my daughter Kristen, had you just puppeted some words and thought you were okay, figured better hell than not, right? And Kristen came to Jesus. And this time when my daughter called out to Jesus, you know, it, it wasn't like the last 20 or 30 times. She wanted Christ, not only for the forgiveness of her sins and salvation of her soul, but she wanted him right now. She knew her life was meaningless without him and genuinely and meaningfully and thoughtfully called out to Jesus. And she became a Christian and spiritual life came into her. And the Lord has led her on a beautiful journey these last three and a half years. And she's married now to my, my wonderful son-in-law, Nathan. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, the very righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. That's called imputed righteousness, right? The very righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you, Uncle Dennis. In all of your sin, amazingly, it's incredible, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel, okay? That's called imputed righteousness. The Bible speaks of a self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is when you're trying to be made right with God, Peyton, in yourself. You're trying to go to heaven by yourself and your own good works and your own efforts. The scripture is clear. It will never work. It has never worked. Okay. The third kind of righteousness, which is what it's speaking about here in Simeon, is what, what we call lifestyle righteousness. Simeon simply had a lifestyle. He wasn't perfect, 
but he didn't have a lifestyle. He had a lifestyle of moment by moment, day by day, just doing what's right. In every situation, he would consistently think about what's right. So he could do what was right simply because it was right. And because that was his lifestyle, it's how he lived, he's called righteous. He's also called devout. He had a devotion to Jesus. He was consistently devoted to God in every aspect of his life. Now look what the result of this is. Because he's righteous and devout, he was consistently looking forward to the coming of Christ. He was looking forward to the Savior. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And because he was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. Remember, three separate beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Why had it been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit? Again, because he was righteous and devout. Remember, you don't get to heaven. You don't have your sins forgiven by being righteous and devout. You have your sins forgiven by receiving the Savior that he's about to lovingly cradle up in his arms. However, he had a righteous lifestyle to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to God our Father. And he was devout in his walk with God. He was devoted. It's what he cared about most. And because of that, he's the type of man that's waiting for Christ on the consolation of Israel. Because of that, the Holy Spirit is on him, right? You know, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives in us, okay? In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on you. It's not until Pentecost in the New Testament, after the ascension of Jesus, that the Spirit of God comes and now lives in us as believers, and that's another teaching. But yet, the Holy Spirit is, is, is upon this man, is consistently resting on this man because he's righteous and devout. When we are selfish, as almost all of us are, certainly I am, when we consistently want our own way, and again, hopefully we're grown, we don't identify this way, but the more you live a righteous lifestyle, righteous lifestyle, the more devout you are in your walk with Christ, the more you're going to experience the leading of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's trying to reveal things to us. And the reason we don't hear it, the reason we're not led by the Holy Spirit, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. All of this is because he has a lifestyle of being righteous and devout. Now, again, I'm not talking about our salvation here. I'm talking about our lifestyle. This is not how we get saved, okay? But we are a church. We're currently a church in the West where we are so salvation-focused, and we need that. That's the beginning of all things is that we get, we get saved from our sin. We become new creatures. We become spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. But then we often just end there. And because of that, we're not moved by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit may well be moving us, but we can't sense it. Simeon, because he is this incredibly devoted man of God, 
walking a righteous lifestyle, uh, he's able to understand the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. If his mind was not devout, if his mind was consistently in, in, in unrepentant sin, right, he would not have got this revelation. The more righteous and devout we are, Anthony, the more it will be revealed to us, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal to us. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's a pretty good revelation. Do you want revelation from the Lord today? It begins with becoming a Christian in the way we spoke about, but then it becomes living a life for Christ. And the more you and I live a life for Christ, the more revelation we'll have of who Jesus is, right? I think it's John 7, around verse 7. Um, you know, if anyone does my will or obeys my teaching, you'll see that Jesus is indeed from the Father. The more we obey the word of God, the more devout we are to the triune God, the more righteous life we walk in, the more revelation we'll have. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Again, the incredible revelations that are at our disposal that we never were never aware of because we don't have this kind of lifestyle like Simeon. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit. Again, he's the type of man that can be moved by the Spirit. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. The more intimate your walk with Jesus, the more you'll be moved by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Again, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's one with you. Uh, you're married to Jesus in spirit. You're one with the Spirit. And the Spirit is consistently moving us. The difference is the vast majority of us, we're not perceptive to the move of the Spirit of God because we're more concerned with, with everything else in this life. We're more concerned with the things of this life and this world and our fun and our hobbies and just our amusements and all the various different things. Again, there's nothing wrong. We need to obviously take care of the things in this life, but our devotion as Christians, really almost all of us, is far more to the things of the world than it are the things of Jesus. And so again, we need to, you know, have our homes and, you know, take care of our children and our wives and go to work and, and do all these things. But, you know, we need to begin to more and more live our lives in devotion to Christ. And if we will, we too will be moved by the spirit into, into, into a walk with Jesus that we could have never imagined. Moved by the Spirit. Again, are you the type of man or woman who can be moved by the Spirit? If you do not have a righteous and devout life, if you don't have a life to be more like Christ, you may think you're moved by the Spirit, but you're not. It cannot be. Okay? Now, again, the Lord in his mercy, if, if you're not living a righteous life and I'm not living a righteous life, then we will be moved by the Spirit, Stephen. We'll be moved to repent. Okay? We'll be convicted to repent. And all of us should be moved by the Spirit in a lifestyle of repentance. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So he's walking one day. He goes into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. 
you can you even imagine it had been revealed to him he wouldn't die and here it is the day has come and he sees Jesus may and he takes 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 Jesus in his arms have you do you have a heart I want to have a heart like Simeon where I just want to cradle that baby where I'm just drawn to my savior like that and I just want to take him up in my arms Jose and just and just hold him Simeon took him in his arms and praise God. You praise God and worship him today, Chris. Simeon took him in his arms and praise God. Praise him, Veronica, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Man, to be dismissed in peace by Jesus. Is there anything greater? We have a call of God in our lives and we'll be moved in Jesus. And a day may come where you two, you and me may be able to be dismissed in peace. But you got to be the servant of the Lord to do that. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Have you seen the salvation in Jesus today? Which you have prepared in the sight of all people, not just the Jews. Remember, there's two kinds of people in the Bible, Jews and Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're not of Jewish descent or Hebrew descent, then you are a Gentile. Simeon says what you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Jesus is the savior of every human being. I've said this before. It shouldn't be hard to understand. The Bible is clear. Every single human being in the world today, whatever it is, 8 billion people, every single one needs Jesus. All are sinful. We all need Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. We all need Jesus Christ to have relationship, genuine and intimate relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we all need Jesus to go to heaven when we die. Without Jesus, we'll have none of those things and only eternal hell waits. I don't like it, but that's what the Bible teaches. That's why we do this. So the greatest love we can show someone is to desperately and loving them, lovingly lead them to Christ, right? I don't want anyone condemned. Therefore, we lead them to Christ. We're not being intolerant when we say this. I don't see this as intolerance. I see this as immense love because this is God has given his word. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Marveled at what was said about him. It is marvelous. Do you marvel about who Jesus really is? Then Simeon blessed them. It's amazing. The Hebrew writer says the one who gives the blessing is the greater than the one receiving it. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. I mean, Simeon just goes from this, this praise and worship and thanksgiving, and now he's going to bring the hammer. I mean, I just like the nice parts of the word of God myself. I just want the blessings, Lord. I mean, I just want you to tell me the good stuff, right, Corinne? Just tell me the good stuff, Esther. But Simeon gives the incredible good stuff. But why has he got to go here? He blesses Mary and Joseph. And then he says to Mary specifically, this child is destined to cause the falling of rising of many in Israel. 
What? And to be a sign that will be spoken against. I don't want nobody speaking against my baby. Verse 35, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Jesus reveals your heart. How you deal with Jesus reveals your heart. Every human being. To the extent that you know Jesus, love Jesus, walk with Jesus, accept Jesus, is, is what reveals your heart. And look what he says at 35, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I mean, why, why Simeon got to go there? Why can't he? It's amazing that the word of God is so balanced. We have the incredible blessings, but Simeon, this man of God, has to speak the truth to her. And obviously, Mary would undergo immense grief. She's standing by her son as he's crucified on the cross. And the only one with her is the apostle John. Says something about Mary. She's with her son to the end. This is a good woman, man. Thank you, Lord. Golly. Wow. Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna. Another woman of God up in here. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Look at the detail the scripture gives us. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. 37. And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Again, now the scripture brings a woman of God, okay? And here's a woman of God who's consistently in the presence of the Lord. I don't know if she had a bed in the temple area or what it was. It was a big area, but it says she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, consistently fasting, consistently praying. Just an incredible woman of God. It's, she has such devotion, she makes it into the Bible. Peyton, you see that, Chloe. She's a woman of God that has such devotion, the Spirit of God led Luke to put her into the Scriptures. Once again, the same principles we see with Simeon. And by the way, we see that the Spirit of God and we see the, uh, the revelation of the Lord coming not only to Simeon as a man, but Anna is a woman, right? We see that the revelation is going to come to her. Verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, undoubtedly also led by the Spirit of God, she gave thanks to God, look at this, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This woman of God couldn't stop talking about Jesus, right? Someone should have told her she's a woman. She should be quiet, right? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that now. There's a whole massive teaching about men and women preachers. And again, there are, there are important things on both sides, right? But here you see a woman of God clearly moved by the Spirit of God. She'll talk to everybody who'll listen. And that's what we should all do as men and women. Again, Anna is an example to us. Okay, to all men and all women. So yes, as a man or as a woman, it is your drive and your call to be like this woman. And it says, because she spoke about the child, Jesus, she spoke about Jesus to all who were looking forward to Jerusalem, to Israel being redeemed. She spoke. So yes, men and women are to talk about Jesus. They are to speak about Jesus, right? Now, again, I'm not getting into a teaching today about preachers, men and women. That's an extensive teaching. 
and a lot goes into it, and there are, there are arguments on both sides of it. But I'll say this. As men and women, we all need to be speaking about Jesus. We all need to be like this woman, Anna, like this man, Simeon. You know, it, it doesn't, uh, it speaks about Simeon and, and all the things he did, right? But when it comes to Anna, it has this phrase that says that coming up to them, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. She recognized Jesus for who he was and spoke about the child, Jesus. She spoke about the child to all. Who is this woman? She's not a priest. But yet she's speaking to others about Jesus. So again, clearly the Bible makes it clear that all men and all women ought to use their mouth speaking about Jesus, praising Jesus, worshiping Jesus. As far as a minister's office, a preacher's office, that's another teaching, okay? And a lot that goes into that, and it's not simple. It's hard on both sides, right? There are scriptures that say that only men should be preaching. But yet, yet there are scriptures that show how God has used women in very mighty ways. So that's a whole other thing. But do you have a heart like this woman, Anna? Because I'll say this. There are very few men in the world today, men of God, quote, myself included, that are like this lady who, who, is, who is able to be married for seven years, then her husband dies, and then she spends the rest of her life, she's now 84, 84, the average person probably lived to 34, and she, all she does is spend time in the temple sleeping, worshiping night and day. You ought to be worshiping Jesus when it's dark and when it's light, fasting and praying. Again, it's no wonder that this incredible blessing that she too was allowed to see Jesus. Again, the devotion of Mary and Joseph. When Joseph and Mary had done Everything required by the law of the Lord. When they did everything said in their Bible, verse 39, do you have a lifestyle like this? They returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, verse 40. And the child grew. Jesus grew up. See, he, he was allowed to grow up. The God-man was allowed to grow up in the natural way. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you, Father, for 2021. We thank you for the word of God that's gone out. Thank you for the privilege, Father, in studying your word, meditating on your word, and, and teaching your word. Father, we ask you to help us to be more like these, these incredible, godly people, Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna. Help us to be more like them, Father. Help us to have greater Christ-like character. Father, for all those who don't know you, Father, I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would lead them and drive them humbly to the foot of the cross, knowing their utter hopelessness, knowing they're destitute, and only hell awaits without Jesus. Convict them, Holy Spirit, and save them, driving them to Jesus, that they might know Christ as their only Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we worship you and we thank you for this year of 2021. We thank you for all the work you've done in our lives. We thank you for your mercy. And as we move into 2022, we pray this would truly be the greatest year of our lives, one and all, in growing to know Jesus and growing to walk with him 
and growing to, to obey him and in growing to be fruitful for him in every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. Father, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.